0: So today I want to talk about resolutions uh, and a resolution is defined as a firm decision to do or not do something. It's a word that's thrown around like all over the place this time of year because it's a new year. Um, it's something, we see something in our lives that needs to change so we make a firm decision to do or not do that thing. We just began 2017, a week ago, and if you're anything like me, if you've made it through one week of your resolution, you're winning. So. A lot of people these days are really not into the resolutions, you know, there's kind of a counter trend of, yeah, no resolutions, let's just act like it's a new day, that's what my roommate said, you know, I told him I was going to be speaking about resolutions and he was rolling his eyes, wasn't impressed, he needs to resolve to enjoy resolution sermons, I think. Um, But a resolution, I believe that a resolution is a good chance for us to look back at our past and look to our future and decide where we want to go and what we don't want to repeat. It's a time for us to have a fresh start and to move forward. So if we look at Luke 9.51, um, it says that Jesus resolutely set out to, for Jerusalem. Oh, I skipped. Oh, no, I didn't. It says it. I did skip it. So Luke 9.51.52 says, As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. Now, I actually didn't, like, just go into concordance and look for the word resolution and find the only place in the Bible that said resolution. I was doing my devotions, and no joke, this was the scripture during my devotions when I was preparing for this, so I was pretty stoked about that. Um, But it says that Jesus resolutely set his face towards Jerusalem. This is what happens when your iPad freezes. Uh, When we look at Luke 9.51, it says that Jesus set out for Jerusalem. He made a firm decision to head to Jerusalem. Now, the significance of this is that Jesus knew he was going to be crucified in Jerusalem, yet he set his face there. He knew the time was quickly approaching for him to go, and that's where it would all happen. A theologian put it this way. Knowing the divine plan, Jesus literally set his face to go to Jerusalem in order to fulfill God's purpose for his life. He was determined to follow God's plan and deliberately initiated the precipitating events, showing that he was in control of what was about to happen. So what about in our lives this year? Are we resolutely setting our face to do something, to make a change, to, to fix what happened in the past? Are we seeking out what God desires for us? Or are we kind of just like floating along, you know, pretending like it's another day and just hoping that our lives get better or that we become more like Christ? So over the past two years, uh, I have been working for Canada Post part-time, and I've been working at the church part-time. Actually, I was working at Canada Post full-time and at the church part-time for the first past two years. Uh, When Pastor Brett approached me and asked me to come to engage, he didn't offer me money, and he didn't offer me a title, but he simply said that there was a need, and he thought I would be a good fit. With that came the need to find full-time employment outside of the church, something I'd never anticipated when graduating Bible college. And at the time of my graduation... Uh, It was right when the economic downturn was beginning, and so rather than jobs being readily available, all the jobs were being cut, so there wasn't really anything available. So as a lot of people who graduate post-secondary do, I was applying only for jobs that checked all my boxes off. You know, I wanted to be downtown. I wanted to be making a minimum of blank an hour, 25 bucks an hour. I wanted to be making, have benefits. I wanted all these things, right? I went to school for six years. I deserve all of these things. Well, as many of us know, you go in with a checkbox and then no one hires you. And then your checkbox slowly starts decreasing until you no longer have a checkbox and you're just desperate for money. So I was applying for jobs for six months. And while I was applying for jobs, I would be like outside. And uh, you see those Canada Post vans like absolutely everywhere half the time when they're cutting you off. And uh, all those vans have the sticker on them that says, now hiring. So I was like, well, maybe I should do it. One day I went to my parents' house, and my mom's like, you should apply to Canada Post. And then she said that every single time I went to the house for the next, like, 10 weeks. So I was like, okay, enough of this. I'm going to apply for this stupid job so that my mom stops asking me to apply for the job. So I applied to Canada Post, and I kind of, you know, I kind of deceitfully applied uh, to my mom. I told her I applied at Canada Post, but I actually only applied for a management position at Canada Post. So, you know, I didn't expect to get a call back, and i got a call back so i was like okay well hey if they're going to give me a management position why not and in this time i had applied for probably 50 jobs and one of the one of the companies i applied for told me that they had received 1600 applications for one job 1600 how do you even like like whatever the word is how do you how do you get rid of the 1599 applications that are wrong so I got this call back from Canada Post, but I wasn't really interested in working as a mailman, um, but I had to kind of do it because I had no money, so I decided to start going to the interviews. See, I had made a resolution based on God's word that I was gonna serve at Engage Church, and in order to serve, that means I had to go get a job. My resolution led to me applying for a bunch of jobs. See, resolutions are really easy to make. When Pastor Brett approached me, it was like, I mean, it still wasn't easy, but it was it was easier than what the next two years had in, in hand for me. It's like, yeah, Brett, I'll come on the team, and then six months later, I have no money. Um, I can tell you that there were a lot of times. I can tell you that there were a lot of times when I was looking for a job that my resolutions quickly started to fade. The only way that our resolutions can keep their strength is if we are in partnership with Christ. On my own will, desires, and emotions, I can easily give up. But when we are following God's word, it's way easier to keep the resolutions we have made. And we also need community, the church, um, to help us keep resolutions. This might be one of your first times back uh, at church for a while because of a New Year's resolution. And this is a great place to start. I might have just as much trouble saying resolution as that little girl did. Um, But as the little girl said in the video, a resolution isn't enough. One big decision isn't probably going to change suddenly change your life. It's the thousands of little decisions every day that create the big change. So where do we go from resolutions? We don't want to just stay in a place where we decide to do something but never do it. So we need to move from resolutions to direction. Direction is how-to steps, how to get to your resolution. So 2 Thessalonians one eleven says, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. We seek direction from God. If we just resolve to do something in our minds, but we never seek direction on how to do it, we're never going to move forward. Like I said, I'm engaged. So I'm in the middle of planning a wedding right now. Um, so coming up to, the, to preaching today, I had two huge things weighing on my mind. One thing was I got to prepare a sermon. The other thing was I got to plan a wedding and you want to you wanna obviously do the, mo, the, the more soon thing, prepare the sermon. But everyone likes going on Pinterest, and I also like going on Pinterest. So it's just easier. You know, Pinterest is, like, the greatest thing ever. But the problem with Pinterest is that you, like, look at all these weddings, and you're like, oh, yeah, I want that wedding. I want that wedding. And your budget's, like, $10,000, and their budget was, like, $300,000. And you're like, yeah, I can totally do that. So I've spent a lot of time on Pinterest. Uh, looking at the details that need to be taken care of. We're actually planning an outdoor wedding for June, which all of us know is a very risky choice. Um, We've looked at the past five years. It's only rained two out of the past five on June 16th. Um, So we could just make the resolution that, hey, we're going to have a wedding on June 16th and then not do anything about it. But instead of that, we decided we we're going to do that, and now I have to go make a whole. Bu- we have to go make a whole bunch of decisions, and we need to start heading in the right direction. So, what my job is right now is I'm trying to find us an indoor backup venue. So, if any of you guys own like a barn or a large tent, a greenhouse, anything like that, come talk to me after. I would love you forever. Um, but I can tell you, and this is no word of a lie, that I could tell you every single indoor venue in the entire uh, Parkland County region. I can tell you every community hall, every wedding venue, every greenhouse, every park, every bed and breakfast, every airport hangar, every you field, every public garden, every church in the Parkland County and the whole Edmonton region. I can't just stay at having made a decision um, that we're gonna have a wedding outside and not look for a backup plan. I need to do my due diligence to seek direction as to how that will work. Luke 9.52 says that Jesus sent messengers ahead to prepare the Samaritan village. Jesus was moving in a direction and beginning to just do it. It's funny because we spend so much time in our lives seeking direction for the natural things, like planning a wedding, or remodeling our house, or getting that next promotion, raising our kids. But then we completely forget to ask God for direction for our lives spiritually. We neglect to look to the Word of God for how we should begin moving forward to accomplish our resolutions. Lots of us say we just don't know how to begin accomplishing the resolutions. But have we looked to the word of God? Have we been going to church to hear sermons that could encourage us? Have we been in community with others that could help us? It's not simply for spiritual aspects, but but for all aspects of our lives. God is interested in every part of our lives and gives us direction in every area. So direction takes us from ideas, feelings, and callings to start moving God has given us wisdom to be able to step out in faith and start moving, but often we want to just wait for God to move us. I've heard that a lot of times. We can't move forward because God hasn't like literally like moved my leg, but God gives us wisdom to be able to start moving even when we don't know the exact right place to go. So back to my Canada Post story. Um, So I started going to these interviews. Canada Post has this crazy interview thing. You have to go do like This physical where you're working out and, like, lifting these weights and stuff. And they're testing your blood pressure, which I guess makes sense because you're doing a lot of walking every day. Um, And then I had to do, like, this crazy math test. Like, it was, like, long division and stuff. Like, why do you need that for Canada Post? You're literally looking at an address. I don't know. It was weird. I passed all of them. But it wasn't until I had gotten to my fourth interview that I realized I wasn't interviewing for a management position. I was interviewing to be a letter carrier the most entry level of all the positions at Canada Post. But, once again, I had no money, so I had to keep on going. Uh, The first year, I can tell you, was pretty rough. Canada Post works on a seniority system, so I had the lowest seniority in the whole city, so what my job was is every single day, if someone called in sick, I would cover their route. So I never had the same route for two days in a row, and every single day I might have to drive to a different depot in the city of Shura Park or St. Albert or whatever. It was not the ideal situation. Um, I'd be shipped around the city like crazy, and I would get the worst of the sick routes because I was the lowest of seniority. I'm not going to lie. I was really frustrated with God. I was frustrated with Pastor Brett. I was frustrated at myself. Um, It wasn't my ideal situation. It wasn't even my ideal, like, B, C, D, E, or F situation. But I knew that because I had made a resolution, I had to keep walking in the right direction to get to where God was leading me. (laughs) Finally, in this September, praise God, I got a letter telling me, and yes, Canada Post does use letters. I think they're trying to, like, somehow bring back the letters because no one else sends letters. Uh, But I got a letter in the mail saying that I would be permanent to Canada Post, which means I would get benefits, and that I could bid on my own route. And that was really exciting for me because I had been walking out this thing for like a year and a bit, and I, I really had nothing to show for it. So I got this, I finally bid it on this route, and I got this route that I wanted, and I was in the third, my third choice of depot, which was better than, than anything else. And I was really excited, so I started working this route, and uh, I was there for one week, and then I got another letter in the mail. And the, the next letter in the mail said that I had been moved to another department in Canada Post that I had never done as a part-time delivery agent. Now, I had no idea what that was. All I knew was part-time, and I also knew that the only thing bolded in the entire letter was cannot refuse so I was pretty chapped, you know, waiting, two year, waiting a year and a half for this thing, and then I cannot refuse. So I called HR, and I'm like, okay, let me refuse. I know that it's in bold, but please let me refuse. And they just said, no, sorry, you have to do this. So I was not stoked. <clears throat> I, got a new, I pretty much had a new job that I knew nothing about that I had to go to. Direction doesn't mean that we know all of the answers or how things will turn out, but that we seek God as to where we should head. As we start heading in a direction, we do what we can do, all the while trusting that God will pave the way for us. So how many of you guys in here use Google Maps when you're driving? Okay, a lot of you guys. Okay, so I don't know if you guys saw this, but about six months ago, Google Maps added this new feature that I absolutely loved. And I have this, like, uh, mount on my my windshield, so my phone's like right there, right next to my speedometer. And so... I'm driving, and this new feature, what it does is you'd get to a turn, or just before you get to a turn, it would say, left is one minute faster. Straight is the same ETA. Right is two minutes slower, right? So I think anyone in that situation would just always take the faster route. So it was was great, because you'd just be, like, cruising along. Maybe you wouldn't be looking at your phone until just when you get to the turn. Last second, you see left is faster. So you just, like, turn your car as hard as you can, side swipe the guy next to you, you know? But you're going to get there a minute faster, right? So I loved this feature. It was great. I was saving two minutes, like, every day, which, I mean, in a year, that adds up. And in my, in my mind, I wanted to waste as little time as possible driving, even if that would just take one minute off my drive. The thing is that you, know, you would follow this, this map. It would say two minutes short or whatever. And at the end of your drive, you'd have ended up taking like 100 turns when you could have just taken the yellow head the whole way. And you've probably had 16 photo radars as well because you're in unfamiliar territory. And so, you know, it just doesn't really work. But honestly, if I would, I would still do that. But what happened is about two months ago, Google took this feature away from me. It was, it was there and they took it away from me. Never update your phones. It's a bad decision. And so they took this, this update away from me. And so... I'm driving and I'm like getting to the corner, like looking at my phone, waiting for it to say like two minutes shorter. And now all it says is similar ETA. Don't give me a similar ETA. Tell me if it's faster or shorter, Google. So I was not happy. But I think that they must have taken it away because it was probably a serious driving hazard. People were probably swerving like I was saying. I think that a lot of us live like this Google app before its update. We're always looking to cut off one or two minutes from our process to reach our destination sooner. We have, we, we have to understand that God is not interested in the speed in which we reach the destination. He's interested that there's a lasting change in our lives. As we move in a direction, we want it to just work out. We want it to be quick, but sometimes our shortcuts bring us to a construction zone or photo radar, or they bypass the entire purpose of what we're going out to learn. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says... Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. God told the Israelites that they couldn't simply have the idea of following him, but they actually had to humble themselves, pray, seek, and turn from their wicked ways. They couldn't sit back and just hope that if they made a resolution and called to God that he would simply deliver them. Rather, they had to start moving in the direction of repentance and humility, and then God would meet them. So we make a resolution, which leads us into a certain direction, but ultimately God will take care of our outcome. We can have an expectation. See, when I was preparing for this sermon, I was like I knew that the three points I wanted were resolution, direction, expectation. And then when I get to the expectation part, I'm like, oh boy, like is this like blasphemous, like having expectations of God? I did a lot of research, and the funny thing is that the first two have onus on us. They're partnership with God, so neither of them should be done without God's guidance. But the third area, expectation, is an area we must move into. So how do we know what to expect? We read God's promises, we listen to testimonies, we remember what God has done in our lives, and we literally trust God to move on our behalf. When you go to a camp or a retreat, at least for me, whenever I've gone to a camp or a retreat or a conference, that's when I've always had the greatest experiences with God. And why is that? Why do we have those amazing experiences with God when, I, when we go to those places? Because everyone goes there and we have an expectation that God's going to show up and he's going to do something in our lives. I wonder if, if we had expectation in our lives day to day. If we expected God to work in our lives when we're having our devotions in the morning or when we're at church on a Sunday morning or when we're in, our, when it, when we're in a conversation with a friend or a coworker. See, God is moving on our behalf, but that doesn't mean we get the exact answers we want. Sometimes it looks different than we, what we thought was best. I can tell you that my job isn't exactly what I thought it would be. We can look uh, at the story of Lazarus, and Jesus let Lazarus die. Everyone was like, Jesus, like, raise Lazarus from the dead, go back, heal Lazarus. But he let Lazarus die in order for a greater purpose to come. It's scary to say that we have an expectation from God, but the reality is that God asks us to trust him and to step out in faith. If every time we pray, we expect that nothing will happen, that's exactly what's going to happen. But what if we changed our hearts to a position of expectation, believing that God wants to do something in our lives, in our church, in our relationships, in our community? Another word for expectation is faith. Hebrews 11, one says, faith is the confident that we hope that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. We can spend all the time in the world trying to move forward in our lives and to see breakthrough, but are we spending time understanding what we can ask of God? Are we spending time trusting God with our lives? So to finish my story with Canada Post, see, this story is like uh, it's like a, a show on TV. You got like the story and then you got the commercials in between. So, we're going to get back to the story now. I left you on a cliffhanger with that last one. Uh, to finish my story with Canada Post, I ended up getting transferred to a completely different department. When I first got hired, I had filled out this form. You know, they had you like a million forms, and you're like, okay, yes, yeah, so I'll just fill it out, whatever. And I'd filled out this form not knowing that I'd put in a transfer request to be a driver. The thing I hated the most about Canada Post, and Sheila can maybe attest with this, because Sheila also works for Canada Post, is that you get to Canada Post in the morning, everyone just thinks that your, like, mail is magically waiting for you, ready to go to be brought to the people's houses, and you just have a nice little walk, you know? That's not how it works. You get get there in the morning, and there are tubs of mail with your route on it, and you have to go, and you have to grab all that mail and sort it manually into these slots every single morning. Now, if you had a route a consistent route every single day, you would know 11214 86th Street is over here on the case and whatever's over here, right? But me, I was switching routes every single day. So every single case was completely different and I'd be like going back and forth. So every morning you get there and for an hour to five hours, you spend standing at this case sorting mail-in. And then even worse than that is the flyers, which no one likes. Just Just a hot tip. If you don't like Canada Post flyers, just write no flyers, please, and they will never deliver flyers to you again. Um, that, was just a, that was just a little insider tip for you guys. But those were the things I hated about Canada Post. Little did I know that this new position that I had accidentally transferred into was a driver position. What that means is that I get to work in the morning and someone has loaded my van for me. I don't even have to load my own van anymore. I get there, I pick up my keys, I wait for my scanner to work for about 45 minutes, because they're the worst, and then I leave, and that's it. And it was horrible before having to, like, stand there and everyone else is leaving, people are coming back, finish their day, you're still at your case, sorting this mail. Now I just get to get out of there and start delivering. I didn't realize that this position that I had accidentally gotten transferred into Was downtown where I wanted to work. It's something that had scalable hours so I could work at the church more. It was something that paid okay and it had benefits. See, during this two years that led up to this moment when I just got this job, I had many, many, many discussions with my family at the dinner table saying that I needed a job and I was so frustrated and, you know, all this stuff. And My standpoint was that, yes, I needed to pray and to ask God for a job, but I needed to also hand out a million resumes, which I also did consider sorting in my resumes to the mail and delivering with it, but I thought I'd probably get fired, so I decided not to do that. I know, right? I I maybe should have, but. So, you know, I was trying to do everything I possibly could to get a new job. And I would say, yeah, I trust God. I'm praying about it, but I didn't expect him to actually do anything. And my mom would tell me every single time that I just needed to trust God and that he would take care of it. Sure, mom, like that's going to work. Well, she was right as as usual. See, we can live in the mindset it seems easier to expect nothing than to be disappointed. But God wants us to live with expectation. I'm not saying that your prayers will be answered the exact way that you want. There are still drawbacks to my new job. But I am saying that we need to have an attitude that God is working on our behalf. Now, let's just get the band back up. 1 Peter 1, to 3-8 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay and through your faith God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see so be truly glad there's wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while these trials will show that your faith is genuine it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold though your faith is far from though your faith is far more precious than mere gold So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Too often we go into a new season, making resolutions and walking in a direction, but we don't expect God to do anything when we do that. It's important for us as individuals and as a church to expect God to move in our lives. Maybe that means seeking God for spiritual gifts. Maybe that means stepping out in faith for friends and family. Or maybe that just means putting our faith in God that we will overcome circumstances and trials in our lives. I just wanna sing greater you Lord. I think as we declare greater you Lord, greater you Lord, it's your breath in our lungs, we pour out our praise. As we begin doing that, we can start growing expectation in ourselves. Sometimes we live so long not believing that God wants good for us, that God isn't a great father, that God is not a great Lord, that we start believing it. And it's when we sing songs like this, when we declare praise and worship, that's the whole point of praise and worship before. It's that we can tell ourselves something that maybe we don't believe right now. Maybe our circumstances aren't letting us believe. That greater you, Lord, you have a plan for me. You have a purpose for me. You, ha- you want to see me uh, succeed. You want to see me more like you. And so why don't we just all stand and let's sing great to you, Lord, and just declare that over your life this morning.
1: You give light. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore Every heart that is broken
0: I'm not sure how many of us today have made a New Year's resolution, have have made, you know, you can, you can say New Year's resolution or you can say a firm decision, a decision to move in a different direction that you were moving. But today, no matter how much you like or dislike resolutions, it's always a good time to say, hey God, we are committing this part of our lives to you. God, we want to move closer to be more like you. So today, I'm just going to pray for all of us But as I pray, I just want you guys to just seek God and ask, God, what do you want for my life in 2017? What can I expect from you? What are the spiritual gifts you want to give me? Where can I serve in the church? How can I serve my community? Ask God for those things, and he will reveal those things to you. He wants those things in your life more than you do. So let's take today as an opportunity to just align ourselves with what God wants for our lives and start moving in that new direction. So I'm just going to pray. God, just thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that, God, you have so many promises for us, Lord. Lord, your word says that you desire good for us, God. Lord, your word says that you're a good father, that if we ask for a loaf of bread, you won't give us a scorpion, God. Lord, and so today we're asking, Lord, for 2017, God, we're asking for you to drop something in our spirits today, God. Something that we could start directing our lives towards, Lord, and then expecting you to come through, Lord, not in the way that we want, God, but in the best way that's for our our character, God, for our lives, God. Lord, we thank you that you are so involved with every part of our lives, God, no matter if we pushed you so far away in 2016, God, no matter how far we feel from you today, God, you are still just as present, God, Lord, you're in this place with us. God, we declare that you are great, Lord. That you are great in this place, God. Lord, as a church, we just want to see our community reach, Lord, for you. God, would you birth new things in us today, Lord, that would not just stretch one week, God, not just stretch two weeks, God, but it would stretch the whole year. Lord, that as we... As we go about our days, we make those small decisions, God. Every single day, those small decisions that end up making a huge change. God, we thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. Would you just be with us today, God, and as we go throughout this week and this year. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for coming to Engage Church today. We're so happy to have you. Um, if you'd like to talk after, I'll be at the front. and. Um, Have a great day.